Welcome to another episode of Storyteller Studio, where we're gathering our lives through genuine conversations and gladly sharing them with folks around the world. As radio announcers, Liz and Tim believe there's something very special about being behind a microphone and letting their hair down. Sometimes people just need a reason to enjoy each other, either again or for the very first time. And we found plenty of others who feel the same. From artists, sports figures, and manufacturers, to filmmakers, authors, and media types, we all may know bits and pieces about a person, but there's always something more. So while we grab our headphones and turn up the mics, it's your chance to eavesdrop on yet another episode of Storyteller's Studio. Hello and welcome back to Storyteller Studio. Once again, we are sort of on the road. We are not in the Edgebrook studio, but we're in downtown Rockford. And I, being a Rockford native, has always referred to this building as the New American Theater. And since then, it's taken on sort of some different names. But I have the founder with me today, J.R. Sullivan. Hey, How are you? Hey, Tim. I'm good. Good. It's been a long time, hasn't Amazing it? to see you again. <laughs> Do you want to tell the story? Oh, you started. I'll well, learn. I was working at WROK at the time. We were in the sit-down studio. We set that up to have guests in for different reasons, and you were my guest for that 10 o'clock hour. And we were talking about a lot of things, New American Theater, the new season coming up, stuff like that. It was the uh, opening, in fact, of this building. Really? Yeah, we had, we had uh, completed. We were in the middle of the... 15th season. We were supposed to open the year in the fall of 85, 1985, okay. Okay. here. But uh, we were still at the Storefront Theater. Remember that place? Oh, I on sure the, do. South Main Street. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it wasn't quite ready, so we just re refigured the promotional campaign mm -hmm. and said uh, we had, a, we had a half the season in the old New American Theater. <laughs> And the other half in, in the new New American Theater. Oh, nice. And the new New American Theater was supposed to, did open on uh, January 31st of 1986, the week we got together. Wow. Well, I'll tell you, it, it has stuck in my head so much that I've told the story over and over and over again because your, yeah. your back was to the newsroom. Yeah. So you didn't see all the franticness that was going on in the WROK newsroom. And- uh, John Strannon and Ken DeCoster and Fred Spear and Bob Pressman, those guys were always sort of calm and under control. But this time, they were going 90 miles a minute. And Bob Pressman charged in the studio on us, which he never does, and was pointing to the other microphone. In other words, give it to me live. I've got something. And it was when the Space Shuttle Challenger blew up. Right. Yeah. Of course, all the brakes went on. Yeah. And we went down to ABC Network News in Orlando or in Florida. It just sticks with me that you were sitting there when all that happened. Yes, I've told that story often, too. I, uh, in all the many years I lived in New York, uh, I'm in Chicago now, but I, I was in New York for 15 years and running a theater there for some of that. Uh, but uh, I often told that story, you know, to people there. It was like a... Like in the old 30s, you know, movies where somebody would rush into the newsroom, uh, you know, oh, yeah. tear out the front page, <laughs> yeah. stop the presses. And it, yeah. was, it was that kind of event. 
oh, you know, it was just deeply memorable. What a week that was. Yeah, for no me. kidding. Uh, when you say you were in Chicago, or you're in Chicago now, and you were in New York, yeah, I sort of was joking with my wife because we could just open up the conversation with, "So, Jim, what have you been doing?" <laughs> <laughs> because it's sort of a long list. Yeah, it is. Well, that's uh, amazing, actually. I've been so blessed, uh, you know, beginning with, you know, the, the several decades here. And I came back, you know, a number of times, mm -hmm. you know, with New American Theater while it was still New American Theater. My, uh, my tenure uh, ended in 1994, and I was freelancing from that point on. Okay. But I did come back uh, several years immediately after that to do guest, you know, projects. It's always my home, you know, always yeah. my home theater and my, my home audience. That's what what led to Hometown Holiday, of course, but we'll get into that, I know. Uh, yeah, I was Chicago, you know, and I had a couple of big shows there. Uh, and then in the late 90s, uh, you know, the, the New York thing, you know, for a theater artist, it was always oh. out there. And it's something you did, you mm -hmm. know, when you were young, right out of school, you know, so you could bounce about and live with 18 other people so you can afford the rent and you know sleep on couches and or whatever you know so just to get a start but it's it's sort of music's nashville and yeah. movies hollywood yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's the same thing it's the center yeah it's, it's it's the mecca but for me it was delayed you know because when i started nat in 72 oh my uh, at with Charlotte's Web, yeah, you know, yeah. in the converted synagogue yeah. over there on First Avenue, <laughs> you know, is it oh, painful to say, Jr. Uh, <laughs> uh, they were know, very cramped, weren't they? Yeah, we were. Listen, I yeah, those are those are magical days, but they were difficult for all of us because you know there was no sound. Uh, I mean, oh, people who no. remember, there was no sound no. separation between the theater and the, <laughs> no. and, the, and, the, and the music club downstairs. We, Steve Powers and the Howards and I, we tried to make it work with, uh, okay, we'll, we'll delay the, the start of the show till 8, 8.30 if we can, which is really late nowadays. Yeah, it is. Or no, we'll start the show really early. That's the, that's the way it was. Uh, 7, 7.30, which is really early. Then. Yeah, yeah. Now it's more the norm. And uh, they'd start the music at nine, you know, but th that was hurting them and, yeah. and, and hurting us. And so there'd be overlap. You were so, hoping to squeeze out before. Uh, yeah, I know. We had our own little performing arts center. But look, you know, in the middle of tender love songs downstairs, you would hear stomping around in Man of La Mancha upstairs <laughs> or, or in the middle of final scenes from. Virginia Woolf or Death of a Salesman. Yeah. You'd hear bluegrass music coming up. <laughs> they don't compliment each other as, as hard so, as you try. So we were all friends. So we decided maybe we should try to work, make this work separately so we could stay friends. Oh, that's and, hilarious. And that's how we've shifted first for a year over at Rockford Women's Club in the mid-70s and then the storefront, you know, uh, yeah. the old storefront until this place in 1986. So it's been a, it was a long and strange uh, trip as the, as the dead, I think, were saying. So. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and now uh, the library owns it. And now the library, which I'm very grateful for because it's been kept and maintained mm -hmm. at, for what it was, what we created here, a theater space. Right. You know, and they, they care about it and mm -hmm. they take care of it. And they are booking all year long, uh, you know, arts events here. There's a new young theater company uh, getting started in the basement here in the basement theater, which we, we set up. So it's it it for me it's it's just uh, so great to see it continuing because all these other places are gone you yeah. know 
you know, the old synagogue is just an empty lot oh, over there on First Avenue. Yeah. The, you know, the uh, storefront theater is now the parking lot for uh, for the Metro Center. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, how well I remember. Yeah. Oh my. But this is still here, and and so when you walk in, do you hear that uh, noise in the background where it goes because I, of J.R. Sullivan walking into his theater? That I literally because they named it after you. Thank. Listen, thank. I don't hear that because I'm still. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm so humbled by that, you know. Yeah. You know, and normally they put your name on things when you're long gone. Yeah, so that's true. I'm glad. That's true. I am glad I'm here to read it. But yeah. That's that's, yeah. that's awfully. It's amazing, <laughs> actually, that they did that. And and Dick Nordloff, you know, he made that possible. Oh and, yeah. Uh, when he bequeathed the building to the library, and the library, you know, headed by Paul Logley, and here by now by and managed by Mary Pat Mazzarelli. Look, it's been. 30 years since yeah. I was artistic director. I walk in now and it's like no time has passed at all. You yeah. Know, it just feels. They you know, keep it active. Yeah. And my, yeah. my friends design this place. Oh, my man. father, you know, stained the, the wood along the, the seating uh, sections. Uh, my brothers, you know, I mean, we we're all in our, we're in this building. So yeah. I come here, it's coming home. And you are sold out. For yeah, this Friday yeah, night. Yeah, it amazed, that astonished me because, look, we made such a big deal about it being finished in 2019. <laughs> never say never. And, and, <laughs> and that was an enormous uh, uh, response, you know, that then. Mm -hmm. you know, that sold out back then. I thought, what? This is great. This is the way to, you know, it was 25 years of doing Hometown Holiday at that point. Finish it out. It was the way to go. Go yeah. out, you know, when, you know, while they still want more, you know, not when, hey, when are you leaving? Uh, <laughs> and and did it stop because people started to scatter? Because that's what theater people do? I It stopped because I thought it should stop now. Okay. It just, it just felt like it was the time. Because it would seem like, geez, over 25 years for crying out loud yeah. of those, uh, you know, hard rock people that were here all the time that it would be harder and harder to herd the cats. And, Is that fair? Yeah, and I also was worried that we were repeating ourselves too much, okay. or, or we could. Yeah. Ironic, because the name of our show this year is Redux, which is about going back. <laughs> but that aside, uh, uh, I, I wanted it always to be, you know, special. And uh, it was certainly it certainly went out special. Now, look what happened. And in the meantime, you know, there were those, the proverbial cards and letters you know it means a lot you know it was part of our holiday season please consider coming back things like that so what was the domino that tipped over that made you do it now i looked in the mirror and i said you know what i miss it oh i miss my colleagues excellent i miss my theater i miss my audience i miss my hometown yeah and yeah. it's sold out and like, that's a huge compliment and they're also doing an audience for your dress rehearsal that afternoon because of the demand. Because of the demand. We we couldn't add on performances because, look, Tim, I thought it would be art. We said it was over. Uh, <laughs> and we meant it. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, they're going to say, what, you again? You know, we... <laughs> Uh, what's going on? Uh, uh, I thought maybe a hundred people of our, you know, nearest and dearest would come because they'd like to see us again. It felt well, obligated. <laughs> one night only is plenty. Oh, well. uh, but the word uh, got out, and before we did any significant promotion at all, yeah, it sold out. Well, and keep in mind, the time that you were doing it, social media was not that profound. 
And now when you jump on that bandwagon and people share it, holy cow, right there you are. And birds of a feather flock together. If you love going to the New American Theater for anything, it's going to get your attention. That's the good part of social media. Yes, it is. (laughs) And 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 that's what happened. It is. So we couldn't add on because RPL Nordloff had, you know, they'd booked to have the, I think the wind ensembles, you know, the next uh, night, you know. Of course, they would have. So we talked it over, and I said, well, we are, we can't do it a night earlier. We just won't be ready. But uh, we are going to do a matinee for ourselves, you know, our final dress rehearsal. Sometimes we would open those up to a few people so they could see it, you know, and it would help us to have, you know, some feedback to shape the show up for the evening night. What if we just consider opening the dress rehearsal as a preview matinee? And that's okay with the actors. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're brave. Okay. <laughs> they they signed da- on to the cruise. They're yeah, brave. They're, yeah, they're daring. <laughs> you know what I'm thrilled about is, I mean, obviously you've got a list of people that I'm going to recognize the names, but the one that jumps out at me is Faye Butler. Oh, yeah. I went to high school with Faye. She oh, was yeah. a couple of years ahead of me. You know, you're talking about the theater at Auburn, and she was on the cheerleading squad. And if I'm not mistaken, she might have been homecoming queen. That one, that two years ahead. I'm she not, would have been I'm, all those things. I know. Knockout that yeah. she is. And yes. and to have her back is just so yeah. cool. I know. I mean, Faye, I adore that woman. And, uh, you know, I first met Faye. It was back in the, when you were in mm-hmm. school. Yeah. Her, and she was part of our, what we called the Young American Theater. Because oh. we had a high school program for drama kids. So you were sort of like a feeder core for the NAT? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I wanted them to be a feeder core for the profession. You know? Okay. And that was the year that the, that the local school system, in their infinite wisdom, had decided, because you know, mm-hmm. we're cutting the budget, we'll just yep. cut out all that stuff that doesn't, that doesn't really matter. All the sports, all the band, all the theater, 1976 and 1977. Right. Oh, kick in the butt. Right. Unbelievable. So the kids had no theater program ever mm-hmm. or, or in the city. None of them, except yeah. for Boylan, my alma mater. Mm-hmm. So we thought, look, you know, I, I just, here I was in my town. And if I had been in school when that had happened, that would have been devastating to me. And we thought, why don't we just, you know, create something here, you know, and have that energy uh, in our, as part of our identity. Of course, we were all in our 20s and then, yeah. so it's not, not, we were that far removed. No, but, but you were enough to know that that not only influences the growth of a person, yeah. you know, just like sports and band and everything else, whatever you get into, Boy Scouts, doesn't matter what it is, it's part of your growth, but it's also part of your social. It also influences the growth and the character of a city. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. We, we just wanted to have that. Because the idea of the theater, our theater, my theater here, was that the artists will be here. They're residents here. They're, it's an ensemble that's of the community. Mm-hmm. And they're pros. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, it ought to have been a feeder system for that. Well, Faye was part of that. Nice. Faye was part of that in 1976. As a high school kid, she was, with the, she was on stage with the professional company, not a high school production. Because we did special productions with all of them. Excellent. You know, Joe Mantello was in one. My brother Danny started out in that. And Faye was in uh, You Can't Take It With You. No kidding. And uh, as, she, as she continued more in theater or more in singing or both. sort of both? Okay. Both. Yeah. She was just in China, in Hong Kong, doing a concert uh, performance of uh, 
The Great Gatsby. What? With the Hong Kong Ballet and Symphony. Well, what a mixture that is. And she just was in D.C. right after that, you know, taking over and, and saving a production, I, I'm sure, uh, of One More Time, in oh. uh, One More Time in, in D.C. And then is joining us uh, and gets here as of tomorrow. So she's a dear pal, an old friend, and a powerhouse on stage. And she's coming home as well. You know, wow. be part of this hometown home. Who are some of the other recognizable names from the past that are coming back to this show? Megan McDonough, singer-songwriter, who I first met back in the Charlotte's Web in oh, American Theater days. That's far back? Yeah. Wow. Miles wow. Nielsen and Kelly Stewart. Oh, yeah. Holland Zander. Oh, my. All uh, cheap trick yeah. connections for those that don't know. Sean Wallace uh, at the keyboard. Uh, and then the uh, acting contingent, uh, of course, they will all be part of you know everything else that goes on. Mm -hmm. But they're the musical, featured musical artists. And then in addition to that, we have uh, the comedic actors, Linda Obronsky, okay. Lydia Berger, Gray, uh, Jeff Christian, and my brother, Dan, Dan Sullivan. Excellent. Wow, what a lineup. Yeah. You know, the one, eh, not the one, maybe the two or three names that I remember from the past. Steve Vertel Vertel yes. would be one. Yeah. Uh, and uh, was it was it Rod and Jenny McDonald? Rod and Jenny, of yeah. course. Those are the three that stick out for me as far as actors are concerned. And did they continue? I mean, obviously, Rod and Jenny were elderly at, at even the time back yeah. then, yeah. so they passed on. Yeah. But did Steve continue? Steve, of course, yes. He's done. In fact, he's been part of this show, you know, for many years. He was just too busy, you know, to do it this year. Okay. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, he does a lot of work with the artists ensemble uh, oh, out there good, at Rockford College. Good for yeah. him. Yeah. Wow. And he puts together his own projects uh, with. Uh, he works with. Uh, oh, I'm going to misname it now, so I better not even try. But uh, uh, you know, social uh, agency, you know, yeah, uh, projects. Steve, try something different. Why that that just sort of never happens, doesn't? Yeah. And being sarcastic, Steve yeah. was always well, sticking to that. He's neck a out. perfect example of what can happen, you know, with the town. You know, uh, here he works with you know uh, mentally challenged individuals mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, on the spectrum, putting together drama and storytelling. Yeah, uh, to help them and connect them. And to grow a sense of connection. To yeah, the and imagine when you see that light bulb go on. That's exactly what a, what what that what oh. an artist in your community can do. It's yeah. a perfect example of that. That's right. They're the vehicle for yeah. for doing that. Yeah. Wow. When you and I first connected just recently to be able to set this up, you said you were in the middle of a project acting in New York, and you get back to me. What was the New York project? What are you doing now outside of this? Well, it, uh, the project in New York was a, it was actually in Connecticut, but I was going back and forth to New York. There was a play in uh, Connecticut I was doing okay. uh, uh, that uh, did very well. It was called Birds uh, from North America. Okay. Birds of North America, I should say, based on the Ottoman. Uh, oh, sure. I, I played a, uh, it was a father-daughter uh, uh, story. So, so I was playing the father, of course. <laughs> You have to make that clear in these, these gender-fluid times. <laughs> yes, that's you never uh, know. You can't assume. I was playing the father, and uh, uh, and it was our, our relationship over a decade because I'm, I'm an avid bird watcher. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to uh, turn her on to, that, to the joys of that. Um, and then uh, I had a uh, – I'm working on a musical uh, that uh, based on an Irish short story also set at holiday time. And in fact, we did a premiere of that in Dublin. Is this something you wrote or something no, existed? I helped develop it, but I'm the director of it. Okay, nice. You know, the writers okay. are, are, are in, uh, on the West Coast. Okay. 
but we got to uh, put together a premiere of it uh, at, in Dublin itself, and uh, oh, that was great. Wow. And there's talk and work about getting that uh, estab further established, hopefully in New York. So that's you know, what's, in, what's I going on. I say the same thing about me being in radio. If you take away the radio element, and for you, if you take away the theater element, look at how much disappears. Hmm. Look how much has an opportunity laid itself either at your feet and you take advantage of her or you don't, or the people you've met or the things you've done all because of theater. And that gets sort of back to your, your youth stuff and how powerful that can be if people like you will open the door or at least crack it a little bit and the youth decide to open it up. Holy cow. And it's stuff that you and I will never see. Yeah, I you know. think I think Tim, it's all about each other. Yeah, this work, theater work, is completely about each other, you know, and connecting. It doesn't happen without that, you know, and that and that furthers right into the moment where it's performed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and its only meaning comes from the feedback loop that that happens with a live audience. Yeah, that's and, true. And and one feeds the other. It is absolutely. It's like to me, it's like. Uh, great jazz you know it's just you know we're, we, every sense of whatever is going on or being said being heard being played being done you know is present and connected to what you're doing at the time mm -hmm. and uh when that's done honestly it's i mean sometimes it's great sometimes it's not but it should always be real yeah and uh and, and, and granted i could see some kind of production that you were doing and Faye is singing, and I could see that 10 years ago, and it wouldn't quite hit me. But I see it tomorrow, because I it's 10 years later, and it explodes. It's like, how can I have missed this the first time around? Hmm. Well, it's because you were in a different place. Mm -hmm. right. You know? Sure. I mean, it has a lot to do with that. And, you know, honestly, I think it has a lot to do, not necessarily with the critics, although that's part of it, but when somebody is going to refer a show to somebody else, if that show hit them so powerfully, for whatever reason, it just hit a nerve, and then they say, oh, you gotta go see this show because it's fantastic in this way, it may not hit the other person in the same way. Same with movies, same with books, timing is everything, and that's what makes it so special because you keep doing it, so you keep giving us other options. Yeah. <laughs> For being able to experience it. There are people that say, and I, I believe this, that the theater should be more like the daily, when we had them, the daily newspaper than the library. Mm -hmm. You know, that it should be, it should always touch on what's going on right now. Yes. And even if you're doing a classic, you know, what matters is it's being done right now. So why does it matter right now? What does it mean right now? What is it about right now? And of course, true classics are always about right now. That's what makes them classic. There's a friend of mine that works at WGN Radio. His name is John Williams. Are you familiar with him? He does middays. And he has a guy that has done so much with history. And he plays either Benjamin Franklin or Theodore Roosevelt or Thomas Jefferson. And they will get together in a theater about this size and he will answer questions as, as if, if yeah. yeah, as if he's yeah. Thomas Jefferson. Right. But of course, like you said, they always bring it back to how is it relatable today? That's right. And it makes the audience go, holy cow, are you kidding me? This is from Thomas Jefferson times. 
but yet the equation, the formula is pretty relatable to today. Mm -hmm. And that's what they do with just a conversation as opposed to a theater production. Right. But it's, it's a short tale for what you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's just exciting. It, that, it's also what Steve, remember Steve Allen's uh, thing on, I think it was on public television, but he used to have a, like a, a round, a comic and, 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 uh, Round table where you have historical figures. Oh, you know, in costume and everything. <laughs> oh but, no, really? But he, he'd mix different. Oh, you know, like like Marie Antoinette would be there, like with Sigmund Freud and others, and they'd have a round table. That would be hilarious. You know, but it was always about because of that. It was always about now. Yeah, good for him. I, I now you're going to make me look this up because I do not remember that. It's a part. gas. You'd like? Oh, it's a great concept. Uh, there was a time, and I don't know if you remember this, because obviously you have a lot going on, that I contacted you, and it's probably, I don't know, 10 years ago, that I saw you on CBS. Do you remember that? I don't. No, remind me. It was CBS Sunday morning. They were doing some kind of a story. Yeah. The reporter was set up in the lobby of some, you know, very, very nice theater, very ornate, you know, like the Rialto or the Coronado. Oh, that must have been uh, when we were at City Center. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And all of a sudden, there's Jim. <laughs> and he's walking through. It wasn't like a red carpet thing. Yeah. But it was sort of like you're going in and I'm going, Jim, where are you? Do you know you're on CBS? <laughs> yeah, what think, is all this yeah, about? Yeah, that was that was right. It was in City Center in uh, New York. Was yeah. it really? And because uh, uh, my theater there was called the Pearl Theater Company. Okay. It was something I uh, was asked to take on in 2009 you know we were at uh, at the city center you know in, in manhattan mm -hmm. uh from 09 through 2012 and so there were always you know things like that going on oh, and, and and we were part of the manhattan theater club as well as all the big events uh, upstairs so so cbs came there for some specific well, well, reason they were, right, they were right around the corner they oh just, they just dropped in. oh so it was nice and easy <laughs> yeah you know the uh the very first new york Broadway show. Now, this is obviously well after New American Theater exposure. Was Pirates of Penzance okay. very first? You know, high level New York Broadway show. Yeah. Never went to anything in Chicago. This was my exposure. Kevin Klein and uh... Uh, well, I remember it being uh, Linda Ronstadt, Linda Ronstadt, Maureen McGovern, yeah, Sean Cassidy, and was it Rex Smith? Rex Smith. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. You take my breath away. Yeah. Yeah. And it was one of the earliest examples of uh, crossing pop stars into theater. Oh, I believe that. And, uh, yeah. and finding the alchemy yeah. know, in that. Because yeah. in, in just about every uh, circumstance, the pop stars had the chops to do it. <laughs> they did. You know. And, but and did they have the stage presence and the demeanor to do it? They could do it in a studio. Yeah. Some more than others. But I think yes. Rex certainly did. Yes. Yeah. It was honestly just because I had dated a girl my last year in college at Northern Illinois University, and she lived in Passaic, New Jersey. <clears throat> and after graduation, she says, well, come out and visit. So I did, and we took the train into the city, and we visited WABC and WNBC, and we did all the sort of standard things you do when you go to New York City. She says, well, what Broadway show would you want to go to? And I go, I have no idea. You have to pick. So she picked Pirates, and I have gone ever since. Yeah. Every time we're anywhere near, and I go into Chicago, and it's just so much fun. We that's go to Starlight takes. Theater. Yeah, that's all it takes, isn't it? It's just the one great experience where that's you go, it. oh, this is what it is. I mean, God knows. It's, it's hard to do theater, and most of it's bad. Oh, 
you know, most of it's or okay. or mediocre. Okay. You know, so it's not like pizza. No, I mean, <laughs> if it's if it's bad pizza, yeah, it's still pizza. <laughs> and like in school, you know, we were force fed. Things, oh yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, how do you, how do you make Shakespeare interesting? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what does this have to do with my life? I don't even know what they're saying. You know, that all that kind of thing. And then you see it done once somewhere, absolutely great, and it just takes the top of your head off. That's it. And you go, oh. Yeah. And and those one great experiences keep us coming back time and again because mm-hmm. we saw it before and it could happen again. Theater is a greatly optimistic uh, uh, enterprise and always an always possible event. It may let you down. It often lets you down. I don't know if it's always bad. I always find something to like a lot. Yeah. But a lot of it is middle of the road. A lot mm-hmm. of it is mediocre. A lot of it is damaged by commercial concerns, needing to sell tickets more than to do a really memorable deeply memorable piece and and it can be the shakespeare it could be gilbert and sullivan you couldn't have sold a gilbert and sullivan ticket um in the in the 50s and early 60s to anybody but the aficionados my mother being one if you're listening mom i appreciate that because you introduced me to it but that particular production pirates you know soared mm-hmm. and it opened up that possibility to everybody who saw it and you're a perfect example of that well and also Regardless of the performance, regardless of how they ensemble with each other, let's say they are mediocre. I have, maybe by choice, I don't know, maybe just by luck, I think most of the theater that I have seen, and I'm rattling it through in my head, trying to find an exception, and I can't, most of it has been an uplifting message. Whether it's delivered fantastic or not, it has still been an uplifting message positive thing. Waitress is a good example. Jersey Boys would be another example. Just the advancement of their careers. Uh, Waitress, I saw it at the Coronado, that astonished me. Not only the singing and the theme and the acting and all that, da, 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 but the moving of props <laughs> without dropping a pot or a pan yeah. was phenomenal yeah. to me. And I don't know if I was the only one paying attention to that or not, yeah. but I buy season tickets for the for the season for Coronado. And lots of times I go by myself. Same thing. I go by myself to the Rockford Symphony Orchestra because that is my unplug. Good. I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. I go in, I focus on the performance and I leave. And that's sort of my go to my favorite fishing hole type of thing. It's like that. Good. Yeah. And yeah. then and then I'm done. It should the event itself is always an uplift, I think. The very fact that it exists, you know, and then the complications of it. I mean, look, you think drawing up pro defenses is complicated? <laughs> You know, try blocking the waitress, you know, uh, you know, in a, a Broadway show. And the leisure domain and skill and craft of that is inspiring. Yeah. Uh, as far as message goes, it's always, you know, even if it's a criticism of the world that we're living in, and God knows there's plenty of plays oh. that can and should be about that. Sure. Uh, it's always an uplift to see it done well, mm-hmm. done clearly, done with verve and a point of view. And uh, it's enlightening. Yeah. You know, you feel like you've been someplace that matters. And you can certainly tell when those actors or actresses mean what they say and they're not just being paid to do a line. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know I'm taking that to the extremes to prove a point, but when they believe in the story or the character that's, or the line. That's or, the art of it. Oh, my. Yeah, that's the art of it, to be so uh, in the moment. You yeah. Know, to be so 
present. So let me ask how you did this with Hometown Holiday. When you've got people, I'm assuming these people are scattered all over the place and you're only getting together this week. Mm -hmm. Do they sort of study their parts? They know what cog they are in the big wheel. And then when you get here, you just fall into line. There's a lot of conversation that it always was that way. But, you know, when you consider the last few years when everything was happening over Zoom. Oh, sure. uh, That was a perfect example of how things carry on in that circumstance when you have to be remote. You find a way. That's how we were all this all those years ago and how we continue to be. We, we you know, I work on um, gathering the people, talking to them individually about what they'd like to do, what they have in mind, finding out more about those things. Uh, what's the content? What's the message of that song? What is the rhythm to it? Tempo, how that can feed into what it, follows and what it, oh. what, it what will follow it oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and thematically how it all linked together that's what puts together a script outline mm-hmm. a show outline we continue to work on that remotely you know i with the others keep talking about it keep talking about it keep talking <laughs> about it uh and uh, uh some of the comedy sketches then get rehearsed a little bit uh over zoom Cuts, decisions, revisions, all of that before we even get here. Because we can only be here for uh, yeah. a few days before I know. the show opens. I just don't see how you do it. I then, really don't. Then you take all those pu- pieces of the puzzle and see if they still fit together like you think they will. And uh, they sometimes do and sometimes don't. And you make further revisions based on that and piece it together, put it together, and you do it. So it's very... <laughs> The truth of it is it's very alive, you know, uh, oh, yeah. for the audience because we're like, well, okay, uh, what's next? <laughs> it's ongoing. Yeah. But yeah. I'm out there most of the show just, you know, with my own outline, you know, just call, you know, being the ringmaster, you know, making sure that people are there. So let me ask you. To but put- I got a great backstage staff too. I mean, my yeah. longtime stage manager here, Cindy Jo Lance, is back to, you know, to, to, to run the show backstage. Right. Got Bruce Hammond and Dave Hedden up on the lights and the sound. And they've all been doing this with me for 20 years. You yeah. Know, so they, they can read you. They know they can read me. You yeah. know, we've, we, we, we're like that jazz group, you know, yes. we just know each other's moves and they, you know, and they know the routine and they know the mm-hmm. show and they, and they can anticipate. You know, lots of what you described reminds me of those last minute things that the Phantom Regiment does. Mm. And that is a moving mm. barrel of you know feathers in a whirlwind. And I'm guessing you guys are along the same lines because you have to you have to adjust. Well, you're attached to the person next to you. Yeah. Like, say the regiment. Yes. You know, you're you're like absolutely connected to that person. And if you're out of step, everybody and, and, knows. And it. they to another, and they to another, you know, and it all then Big picture comes together. That's way, yep. the way it ought to be. That's every every theater production should be that. But that's certainly what what this hometown holiday is. With putting your either your actor hat on or your director hat, are you drawn more towards mystery, comedy, drama? What do you grab onto? My my thing was always that I loved it all. And really, yeah, and it was, and that in fact probably helped. Uh, new American theater work because there was always a great variety of mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Because you know, we used to say we would do a six play season. That's pretty rare now because of the others, because of the costs of things. 
Are they are they typically three or four? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but we would say you know it's a six play season. We'll sell you six plays for the price of five because you probably won't like one of them anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And and boy, you're a marketing genius, aren't you? It's still (laughs) sell it, Jim. Sell it. And uh, yeah, that was generally the case, you know. You know, we know going in, we're going to have a bum. Uh, we just know that. No, we know going in that you think one of these plays. Oh, is that's true. The that's person next to you may be their favorite. That's so true. So it was, but that was the, that was the what it was. It was and that wasn't it wasn't a lie. That's what that is what no. it was. We we knew that people wouldn't like everything because we had to be willing to push the envelope and and and, oh, and, 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 and then the boundaries should always widen out so that the theater could be diverse as possible. And the minute you don't push the envelope, then you're criticized for it. Yeah. So and, you have to take the yeah, risk. Yeah, I also think you become cynical and stale. Uh, you don't care the yeah. same way you should. Anyway. And that, that reaches out into a lot of the arts, yeah. um, whether it be painting or sculpting or movie making or writing. I mean, if you get mundane, ooh. Well, gonna, and that's why it. the arts depend so much on the energy of youth. Mm-hmm. coming into it and new ideas, new ideas to keep reinventing. You know, it's just absolutely dependent. It has to be dependent yeah. on that. And then to see the energy when you walk into any of those situations we just talked about with like 23, 24-year-olds, somewhere in that area, maybe younger. I mean, Starlight Theater is a very good example. You walk into- That's another certain, incubator, by yo, the way. Oh, absolutely. Great talent. And, and very unique. You know, mm-hmm. if you bring somebody from out of town to the Starlight mm-hmm. Theater going, what is this? Because they don't have anything like that. I had my Starlight Theater days. Did you really? Oh, yeah. I was in- uh, So you know about the buzz I'm talking about. Yeah. The first show I was in with them was a, was a Gilbert and Sullivan, in fact, <laughs> <laughs> called Patience. So, oh, and you probably needed it yeah, at that point. <laughs> yeah. Well, anybody who saw me would have needed it. <laughs> I played a dragoon. I was in the chorus. Yeah, a, a dragoon. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that is. I, I, I it's a, it's like a soldier. You know, oh, it's like a like okay. a nineteenth-century uh, British. Uh, okay. Cavalier type. Do you have any recordings of this? Oh, thank God, no. Oh, okay. All right, good. But but I had no lead songs. Again, thank God. But uh, uh, because Starlight Theater continued. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And got yeah. popular and good. But uh, uh, then I was in Oklahoma for them as well, oh. and I was a and then I was an assistant director in that as well as playing a part, and so that was really part of my start here in Rockford. Are you doing the mixture of acting and directing on? purpose is that just in your dna to do that probably but not i do much less acting now it's mostly you know directing okay it's a whole different energy and commitment you know i believe that and uh you know i did the acting thing in connecticut because i was curious if i could still do it you know and if i could remember the words and things like that yeah uh, it worked out fine. But. Did you know a New York Broadway connection to the newly opened, well, relatively newly opened, Frozen? Did you realize that there's a Rockford connection? That's, uh, fro- are you talking about on the music side, on the, on the, on the musical direction side? No, no, on the, on the Disney creative side. His name is Dan Lund. Oh, and Dan he's Lund. from Love's Park. Oh. And he's been an animator, an effects animator, out in Burbank for years and years and years. And he was one of the eight people sitting around the table when they say, well, what's our next feature going to be? And they came up with Frozen. Well, then, because he's of that mind, he's not just an animator where you're going through the motions of whatever they want. He 
transformed uh, Norway, the ride at Epcot in Orlando, into the Frozen theme. Then he went up to Broadway when they transformed whatever theater into the Frozen, and he had to sort of sign off on every creative element that they were adding into it. He just had a film come out now called Wish, that he is a supervising effects animator. And then he took off to Tokyo, and he's creating the Frozen over there. It's an extraordinary number of kids out of Rockford. Oh, yeah. And Rockford area. You just need to trail it back. Who have, who have done so well in the business and the profession. Yeah. Think of people like Joe Mantello. Oh, sure. Uh, Marin Mazing. Robert Greenblatt. I don't know that name. Yeah, he ran NBC for in Showtime for a while and is now uh, on the producing team for things like Some Like It Hot in New York. Oh, and, and many more. Wow. Uh, and this goes on and on. Kevin Stites uh, at the podium of Broadway shows. Goes on and on. I mean, uh, uh, Matt Lenz, another uh, uh, director, uh, who also a Young American Theater Program person from us. Wow. Jody Benson. Jody Benson. Yeah, with performing and movies and singing. And did you ever know Ted Lichtenheld? I did. Did you? That was part of the when he did personal foul here. Yeah. yeah. So was I. I yeah. was part of that too. Yeah, I remember your voice at the beginning of it, right? Yeah, it was. Our okay voice. I was on the alarm clock. Yeah. I was also in his convertible car as he was heading off to work. We had so much fun doing that film. And uh, wasn't Dan a part of that? Your brother Dan, too? He was. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I, I was helping to cast the uh, a lot of the extras and had a walk over myself. And, uh, uh, no, no lines. But, no, uh, no. Uh, Danny, I think, had lines. So I tried to get all my friends into it, of course, and well, certainly family. And when I tell people about this, because we, quote unquote, gave away extra parts, so we were very involved with what he was doing and all that. It was so much fun. Well, and David Morris. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. What a career. And look what he went on to do. Yeah. Wasn't it uh, also Alan Arkin? Yeah, uh, not or, Alan Arkin, his son, Adam. Adam Arkin, yeah. yes. But I cannot find a copy of that movie anywhere. I've, I've looked for it myself. I don't. It's painful not to find it. Yeah, it ought to be on some. I know, I know. And I think I've got it on a VHS because CBS played it one time at midnight, I think, maybe, and I recorded it. But where that videotape is now and how I would ever play it, God only knows. Uh, so I, I hope it turns up. If it does, I, make a copy. Huh? I know. And Can I've we been, still make copies of I, those I, things? I, well, we could find out how to do things. That's right. We know people, don't we? Yeah. Uh, and I've gone on to IMDB and try to get some trails that way. Yeah. And I, You I, would think it would be there because of Arkin and Morse. You would think so. But I don't know. The search goes on. Yeah. So, J.R. Sullivan, thank you so much for Tim, joining us. Such a pleasure. Thanks. I am, I am thrilled to be back in the New American Theater and now the Nordloft. And we're going to be here on Friday night. Wonderful. And here's the thing on who we bring. Uh, my mom is 90 years old. She has been to the theater several times over her years. And she remembers, you know, Charlotte's Web and all that, too. But my sister is coming in at noon that day from Phoenix. And I said to her, I said, you got to call me right away when I found out about the show. I said, because, you know, the theater is not a 4,000 seat theater. It's going to sell out quick. Yeah. I need to know, do you want to go to this? And she goes, I don't care. I'll go to whatever you want me to go to. <laughs> so we bought the tickets and all four of us are going to come oh, on, on Friday night. Please, Tim, get here early. The ice hogs are skating that night. Oh, just down the street. So there. parking, parking. Yeah, 
Uh, doors open at seven. Try to get here, you know, so, and it's general seating. I want to make sure you guys get into good seats. Yeah, especially with, you know, the wheelchairs and all that stuff that yeah. people have to accommodate. Yeah. So anyway, I'm really looking forward to it on several levels. And it's just, I don't know, it's just really cool, like you say, to be back in the building. It's amazing. For theater. It's We've amazing. been here for for movie premieres and stuff like that. We've been here for wedding receptions and things of that sort. But there's something about the theater and watching those actors spark and make us spark. That's what it's all about. So, J.R. Sullivan, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And good luck Friday night. And a quick mention of another sure. Rockford kid who made good on Broadway, sure. Sharon Sachs. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and Just saw her in Wicked. So. No way. Yeah. I did not know that name. See, you've on. given me a lot of homework. You really, <laughs> you really have. Well, JR, thank you. And good luck on Friday. Thanks thank for you. seeing me. Thank you, Tim. We'll be back with another Storyteller Studio right around the corner. And you never know who it's going to be. Thank you for joining us in the Storyteller Studio with Tim Larson and Liz Wilder, where everything begins with the story.